Welcome to the Talks at Google podcast, where great minds meet. I'm Anna, bringing you this week's episode. Talks at Google brings the world's most influential thinkers, creators, makers, and doers all to one place. Every episode of this podcast is taken from a video that can be seen at youtube.com slash talks at Google. Discussing their new show, Proven Innocent, which premiered Friday, February 15th, 2019 on Fox, this episode features Kelsey Grammer, Rochelle Lefebvre, Russell Hornsby, and executive producer Danny Strong. Proven Innocent tells the emotional story of one woman's fight to prove the innocence of wrongfully convicted people. More info via fox.com slash proven innocent. In conversation with Googler Malika Sadasar, here's the cast from Fox's Proven Innocent. I'm Danny Strong, the executive producer of Proven Innocent. I'm Rochelle Lefebvre, and I play Madeline Scott. Kelsey Grammer, I play Saul, uh, Saul Bellows. <laughs> no, I, I play that guy. <laughs> uh, my name is Russell Hornsby, and I play Ezekiel Boudreaux. So I, I just want to start out with uh, a note of gratitude. Um, I... Uh, I'm a human rights lawyer, um, and I spent over 15 years dealing with the issue of criminal justice reform, many years uh, with women behind bars, girls behind bars. And I just want to thank you for taking the stories of so many individuals I've met and creating this beautiful show out of it as a way of centering voices that aren't usually heard. So, so thank you for that. Um, Kelsey, of course, we're going to start with you. Oh, lovely. <laughs> um, so, so I want to understand, like, you know, this show is about wrongful conviction, uh, prosecutorial overreach, if not misconduct, um, forced confessions, and really kind of surfaces some of the brokenness in our criminal justice system. What made you do this? What, what drew you to be part of this kind of narrative and storytelling? Oh, well, um, first off, which is pretty simple in my life, somebody offered me a job. And then, uh, you know, that's, that's half the battle. Um, then I went and saw the pilot, uh, which had been shot already. I, I replaced an actor that was uh, lovely in the performance, but it, it actually gave me an opportunity to say, well, you know what, I, there's a few things I can offer you guys for this. I, I think he needed to be more rounded and, and actually try to give, a, 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 put a human face on a guy that was, you know, to be painted as a bit of a monster and uh, the devil and, of the piece. But uh, he's, uh, he's a man of, of some, uh, what's the word? Uh, inefficiency, some lacking, some insecurity that lives in him that I thought was probably kind of fun to play. And uh, he's got some power, but it's very limited. And he's got some courage, but it's very limited too. So I, I like the fact that he was a bit emasculated in his life and that this thing, his devotion to justice, I think is real and genuine. It's just uh, also part of his 20 years in the business has been, well, this one gets moved through. Yeah, that one's guilty. You know, you make some snap judgments within the context of this stuff. And uh, uh, unfortunately, it's uh, a concept or an ideal that is administered by human beings, and they're always going to mess it up. Whether or not it's, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, deliberate or malevolent, who knows? I think there may be some, some moments where I mean, every lawyer, I believe, has rehearsed with a witness. Uh, I don't know if there's a crime in that. 
But uh, I, I do think there is a, uh, a great amount of attention that must be paid to this idea. And if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. And obviously, people have gotten it wrong. And maybe, maybe there's an aspect of them not caring or trying to CYA, cover your ass about it. But um, I, I, I found him an interesting character. And, and what's nice is, as, as I collaborated with Danny and said, you know what, I don't know, I don't buy this. Or, you know, maybe he would, you know, obviously the Chicago Police Department does have its sort of uh, indictable uh, kind of character flaws. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of them even were announced during the time we were shooting the film. Remember, yeah. they found those, those three cops, I guess, that had set up like 20 different guys. Yeah. They finally let them out. That was, that was a cool moment. But uh, there are also good people within the context of this kind of work. Mm -hmm. So how do you play him? Do you play him as not the villain? Do you play him as someone who um, has a good spirit but has been broken? Like when you come into that role, what is it that you want to show the audience about this individual? Well, I wanted to make sure that people understood that he actually cared about his job, that he wanted to do a good job at it and, and thought he had and, and was honestly quite convinced that uh, Rosemary, not Rosemary, I mean Madeline is, is guilty. Mm -hmm. And so, and for whatever reason that was, uh, you know, some of it, well, they left some of it up in the air. There was a piece of evidence that they never found that, you know, left it possibly he might still think, well, that will prove it. And we explore some of this stuff in the storyline as, as it goes along. Mm -hmm. So, Danny, um, I would, you shared this with me, and I would love you to share with the audience the genesis of this, um, this series, like what, how it was brought to you and what made you decide to act on it. Because it's not the typical Law & Order kind of series that we've been exposed to. Mm -hmm. Well, it started with uh, an idea from the creator of the show, David Elliott, uh, as a screenwriter I've known for many years, and uh, he came to me and said, what about doing a show on The Innocence Project? And I can you just tell people what the innocence the innocence project is? It's sort of a, it's it's a, a group of law firms, although they're not necessarily affiliated with each other, that are dedicated to people that have been wrongfully convicted. Um, that's their mission statement. That's what they do, um, and a really wonderful organization. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, I like to do projects that have some sort of social justice component to it, I think it makes the project worthwhile doing, and I simultaneously think it makes the project better. It makes it more dramatic and more a better piece of entertainment on top of it. Um, but it, it's, it's just so much um, more worthwhile when you feel like you're working on something that has something to say, as opposed to just pure entertainment. And, and so, you know, a, a show, a weekly law show on wrongful conviction, for me, was a bullseye of the kind of uh, show uh, I'd like to be affiliated with. And coincidentally, the week before, I had seen the Netflix Amanda Knox documentary, and it had enraged me. I didn't know that much about her case. I just, I just always thought, I think she's probably innocent without knowing the details of the case, uh, just what little I had read. And she was so railroaded. And watching the Italian police detective discuss her case, I had to pause, pause it because I started screaming at the television. I could not believe his logic. Um, and then as the documentary goes on and on, it just becomes more absurd. And so I was, at that moment when he had pitched me, I just seen this and was wound up about wrongful conviction. So the timing was absolutely perfect. And I said, well, let's make the lead character someone who was wrongfully convicted and got out and became a, a wrongful conviction attorney. So it was, you know, there, there definitely was a timing element uh, of this. 
and it has become more a part of the conversation, right? Like you do have podcasts around those who have been wrongfully convicted and you do, you do have a lot more attention to the Innocence Project and those who have been released because of DNA. Um, I just want to say on top of that, I don't understand why it's just now in the last 18 months becoming a conversation uh, is, is some, you know, wrongful conviction. I mean, our justice system isn't riddled with error. There are people in prison that are guilty, mm-hmm. for sure, right? It's a justice system. But there are people that aren't. And it is a grave injustice. Um, and so the fact that it's now just becoming a, a, a topic of discussion um, I, I don't understand why this hasn't always been a topic of discussion, you know, but I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of, of it now that, that it actually, you know, is at the forefront. Well, I think part of what plays out is that we've had law and order stories on television that haven't given voice to what you all are giving voice to. And so that kind of movement in the public square discourse uh, around justice reform, I think, has been very powerful. So, so I want to talk to the actors around um, how they are, are doing this, because I have to say, as someone who identified as like a movement lawyer, I was really excited when I saw Thurgood Marshall's picture in your office. And um, uh, the whole idea of what it means to be a lawyer who's righteous and part of um, a, a kind of crusading way of using law as a tool for justice and goodness. Um, so I would love to know how you both prepared for those roles of being these kinds of righteous lawyers. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe that question is specifically for you. I'm not sure Madeline is a, a righteous lawyer. I think she's I think she's doing a righteous thing, but she's complicated and her motivation, you know, she wasn't a person who knew when she was young, saw injustice in the world and thought, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to dedicate my life to, I'm going to go to law school and and dedicate my life to righting these wrongs. Um, She had a profoundly traumatic, life-changing experience. Um, And I think that she's fortunate that that experience, rather than, as you see with her brother, rather than destroy her and continue to break her down and continue to re-traumatize her, that experience awakens something in her and that she wants justice because of what happened to her. I'm not sure that the word righteous is is right for her as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's about her lived experience and doing the lawyering from that place of a lived experience. Absolutely, because she's, um, you know, she's definitely cares about her clients and is trying to save the people who are wrongfully convicted. Um, But from my experience living with her... um, and I think we're, we all have a version of this in our lives where you try to right a wrong for other people and you tell yourself that it's pure and you tell yourself that what you really want to do is just spare other people the hell that you went through. Mm-hmm. But but in my, in my experience, you're always in some way trying to go back in time and save yourself. Mm-hmm. And... And I think that that plays a a part. I think that's why in each episode she connects so deeply with each of the characters. Um, There are lawyers that I've talked to who have suggested that she, in the real world, would have to actually rein that in in order to be a really good, effective lawyer, that you can't be crying with your clients all the time. And, 
and and that's okay that that's what our show is because mm-hmm. we have another lawyer in our firm who is righteous mm-hmm. and who does hold up that that end of it. And I'll let him speak now. <laughs> Russell? Well, <clears throat> there's the uh, there's the why, and then there's the how, mm-hmm. right? So you know when I, I the why is because when, when I when I read the script, the the story touched me, the the characters touched me, the premise really touched me. And then when I had an opportunity to sit down with Danny and David Elliott, uh, show creator, and just have a conversation about what we're trying to do mm-hmm. and what we ultimately want to say, mm-hmm. and I was you know just. They listen to my thoughts and ideas about who the character is and where this character is going to go. Mm-hmm. And, and so then we get into, you know, the how. And you ask about preparation. Mm-hmm. You know, quite honestly, I, I look at it as life prepared me. You know, I, I feel like right now I'm in a place, in a space where roles are meeting me where I am. And so the preparation comes from, for me, being black in America. It, it, it comes from, for me, knowing that a Thurgood Marshall exists, knowing that there was a Frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that there were, um, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, righteous leaders, there was the Black Panther Party who were out there fighting for people, for their dignity, for their place and their space in this society. Mm-hmm. And so as a, as a man, as a conscious member of society, you ingest that, you absorb that, and that becomes part of your narrative, that becomes part of your story. Mm-hmm. And what I have to deal with day to day as a black man in America, what friends have to deal with, what you read in the newspaper, what you see on television, all of that, you don't have to prepare for that because that's a part of you. Mm-hmm. So the reason why this uh, narrative touched me so is because I can then in turn bring that passion bring that pain, Mm -hmm. bring that anguish to bear and bring it and really now, as best we can, as best I can, touch people with my passion and with this pain that I possess and through Ezekiel Boudreaux, touch people, pierce their heart, pierce their soul so that they can say, wow, I... I something I feel something different. I sense something different. Now I want to con- converse. I want to communicate with other people about what I just what witnessed. What just touched me? How? Why did that touch me? Mm-hmm. That's what moved me, and that's why you know I'm here. And that's the preparation that goes into this type of work. You know what I mean? You you can't. The saying goes, you can't lie in life and tell the truth on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it is a part of who you are, mm-hmm. right, that you're bringing to bear. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's very rare times, but it is where, you know, these roles, they meld with the person. Mm-hmm. And you can bring, I can bring Russell's humanity mm-hmm. to easy. And so, therefore, it ain't hard. I have to say that it was, uh, it was a lovely touch to see that you had saved her. Yes. Right? Because often when we see these kinds of shows, black men are the predator, the abuser, right? Absolutely. And in this story, there is a way in which not only are you the righteous lawyer, Mm -hmm. but you saved her. Absolutely. And I think that that was a a really beautiful touch. Um, And and I want to talk about that. And in that, sorry, just, you know, image is everything. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. 
Indeed. I appreciate that. Um, and, and I want to talk about that. You know, Shonda Rhimes talks about how um, this isn't about diversity. This is just about when we have inclusion in our shows, it's just showing reality. Um, and I really appreciate the kind of diversity that exists on, on the show and that is part of the cast. And I, I would love to hear you all talk about that experience of being intentional around who you are as character and together as cast in this very different backgrounds that you each bring to your performances. I would like to invite Danny to talk about the process that was so inclusive when you were building the writer's room. Oh, you know, I mean, you know, our writer's room is 50% African-American and it was, it just, that's what I, I wanted and the writer. And 50% women. And 50% women. Uh, and it you know, I just, that's what I wanted the room to be. Um, I thought that would, that's what it needed to be. I mean, especially on, uh, a show about wrongful conviction in which people of color are so adversely affected by wrongful conviction. And so many, so many people that have been wrongfully convicted and been released are people of color, right? So how do you do a show like this and not have uh, your writer's room, your writers, uh, you know, a ton of people of color in the room? And then also with uh, the casting for the leads of the show, um, you know, for our law firm, we have two white lawyers, two African-American lawyers. I thought, okay, well, that's a cool makeup for a, for a wrongful conviction law firm. And our directors... Uh, the same, you know, we've had many uh, people of color directing, many women directing, uh, many women of color directing, you know, so it, it's been, yeah, of course, it's been a, it's been a great mix and it, and, and, but I want to do that on everything I work on, not just because the show's about wrongful conviction. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, the reason I really wanted to have Danny say that is also because I think that the way that you talk about it represents where we, um, where we really should be which is the idea that that's taken for granted, right? The idea that it doesn't have to be effortful, that it doesn't have to be something where you're trying to show how aware you are. It's just, it's just, it's just the right thing to do, mm -hmm. uh, to be inclusive. It's just the best case scenario for everybody involved. Um, and so I think that in a way, as much as we, as much as these, uh, these are conversations that are weighted, mm -hmm. there is a certain amount where you can kind of breathe when you encounter people who who are where where we want to go, which is just to take these things for granted mm -hmm. as just the way to be. Um, and so I always really appreciate, you know, the way that you talk about that, that it was just, well, that, that it was obvious. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back through some of those shows that I've produced. Um, on Frasier, we had, uh, it was probably 70% uh, white, 30% black writers on the staff. Uh, there's an old saying, though, you write what you know. Mm -hmm. You know, but on Girlfriends, I think we had one white girl for a while. It was mostly black. Can I just, can I just take a moment, though? Because yeah. a lot of my friends talk about this. When, when I shared with them that I was interviewing you, they were like, he produced Girlfriends yeah. and the game. Kelsey Grammer did that. And I just want to, like, acknowledge that, give a shout out Thank to the you. fact that you were supporting black content for more than just a moment, that this has been part of your presence in Hollywood. It's been a long, long time, yeah. And the presumption's always been, well, you, you just hire who's good. You know, I mean, I've, I've, never really, I've never really put a lot of labels on whether or not it should be this or that. It just, it made sense on Girlfriends to have a... A bunch of girls who were, well, half the girls were um, mixed, and that was kind of uh, interesting, too. And so, and we had, like, one writer that was a mixed race there, and, 
and, and that brought a certain perspective. But of course, when you're when you're collaborating on the floor, especially in a, in a sitcom, uh, the actors and the writers, if they don't have a communication and a collaborative spirit, instantly about what well, what they know, what you know, that, what they can say to a writer. No, 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 you guys have got this one wrong. Um, that's that's what you have to be able to do in that circumstance specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a in a hour long you know scripted drama, you know it's a, there's a little more distance between the 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 actor and the and the writing staff as, as a rule. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, girlfriends started 20 years ago, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's uh, it seemed as natural as apple pie to just mm-hmm. do that show. I, I don't know. I mean, we always had a diversity, like NBC always had a diversity kind of event where they'd invite a, a few people of Asian descent and a couple of black people and a couple of white people to stand up on a stage and go, yeah, we've, it's more important to us to have diversity. And so I thought, well, <laughs> oh, shit, you know, put your money where your mouth is. So uh, I went and pitched this show, <laughs> and somebody finally said, yeah, we ought to put that on television. So uh, it was it was, seemed like a natural thing to do, a natural expression of, I, I grew up in the generation that, I mean, my parents, my grandparents raised me mostly, and they were... Uh, they were colorblind people. They said, "You don't judge anybody based upon what they look like. You judge them based upon what you know, how they, what they do, who they are, and you and you take your time. You don't judge anybody until you get to know them. Once you get to know them, then you have some information by which to say, no, this one's an asshole. This one's <laughs> that one's okay.' And uh, you know, it's it's pretty elemental. Now, I I think people should be hired based upon whether or not they're good at their job. I do think it's great to have as much diversity and as much um, uh, sort of uh, openness about wherever you come from. As long as you show up that day ready to work, bang, you're my guy or girl. You know, it, it doesn't matter to me. So I'm a, I mean, maybe that's a, a funny lens, but I'm a, I'm a practical guy. It's like, I want to go to work, I want to go home. You know, it's like, you know, we say, we stand and do it. on the set, we're going like, what, time what the hell's taking so long? <laughs> What the hell's going on now? You know, it's pretty simple stuff. I mean, we got a French guy that's a cameraman. I mean, you know, it's like, I don't know, maybe that's something we should be more important, you know, find more important. But He's waiting for the wine. Sebastian's <laughs> waiting for yeah, so, Wait a minute, what worked the wrong hours? This is terrible. But um, I just, I love the process we live in. I love the fact that we care enough to say, you know what, here's, here's an issue we'd like to examine. Um, I mean, the simplest answer to your question about why I took this role is, you know, somebody's got to play the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Honestly, somebody has to play that. But uh, I, I believe he's a, a good human being who has made a lot of serious mistakes and continues to make them, as you will see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I also am a, I'm, I'm suddenly talking too much. Um, I, I find myself suddenly in a compromising position because... Uh, the Fox advertising people asked me to do a fake, uh, like campaign speech for uh, Rosemary's Law or th- that sort of thing. I actually do a speech for that on a campaign issue called Marcy's Law, which is for victims' rights, mm-hmm. uh, which is a weird thing. Um, my sister was murdered mm-hmm. when she was 18, mm-hmm. and uh, there were three guys that killed her, but they also killed seven other people, mm-hmm. and. Uh, my dad was also murdered, which is a, a different story. But he, that, the guy that killed my dad actually got out and nobody told us about it. Mm. And we found out, like, by accident. I actually found out. The National Enquirer wrote an article about it. 
And they said, why is this guy out? And why is his last name Niles? Did they do that deliberately? Did they call his brother Niles for a reason? I mean, that was just so weird and awful. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it would be important to start talking about that kind of stuff. So in the in the face of what we're, we're doing in, in terms of a, uh, a cause celeb, it, it also, it, it's odd that I'm involved in this other world where I would, I, I'm pro death penalty in spirit because of the guys that killed my sister. Mm -hmm. But I am against it because you would never want to kill an innocent man. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know for sure, you know, I mean, if it was up to me, I'd kill him. Mm -hmm. I'd be fine. Let me get, let me take care of these two. Mm -hmm. There's only two of them left. But uh, there's a whole, there was four other families. The, the prosecutor decided that they would only try for three of the murders because those were slam dunks, they thought. And they left four other families without closure, kind of. And I thought, boy, this is a, this is a sad thing for our justice system. I mean, she died in 75, so it's a while ago. But I'm flying, I'm flying out on March 15th to ask them to keep one of these guys in jail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets to, every year he gets a, a chance to say, uh, I, you know, I, I did my time. I should get out. Well, he, he killed seven people. I want to thank you for sharing your sister's story and for having the courage to give voice to what it means to have a loved one murdered in that way and be able to talk about the work of the wrongfully convicted, to be able to hold both realities, both You do want to hold them both. Absolutely. And we I, don't want to be a society that makes those kind of mistakes. Absolutely. We just don't want to be. Absolutely. And, and, it, and we are a better system for being able to hold both those places. And the conversation around justice is a better one because we can hold both of those places. So thank you. Um, of course. I, I uh, come out of the, the work of, of girls who have been bought and sold. Um, and and seeing the horrible ways that they uh, were raped and commercialized and um, and fighting for those abusers to be held accountable goes side by side with the insistence on fair and equitable justice. Yeah, so I I, I really rush appreciate the judgment. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta get them. Yes, <laughs> yes. So thank you for bringing all of that present of with us. Thank you. I wanted to ask each of you to just talk about how this series and everything that it brings forward and all the ways that it has um, asked of you to, to stretch yourselves as, as writers, as actors, as producers, um, and all of what it has forced you to bear witness to in terms of the stories of the wrongfully convicted, which are such horrible, egregious stories in terms of their suffering, but evidence of a broken justice system. If you could talk about how all of that has changed you as a result of your work in the series. It's a challenging question to answer, but all I can do is just harken back to kind of what I said before, that it's, it's been ever present in my life, you know, uh, the notion of the wrongfully, um, the wrongfully convicted, that, you know, it's just, it's been a part of me in my life. And so um, I don't think it's, hasn't really changed me per se. It's just made living life a, sometime, a lot more painful because it, it's now, it's sort of just now it's ever present. Do you know? You always, you were aware of it, but now it's ever present. It's in the forefront of your spirit, you know? And um, so, you know, you, you, you listen to podcasts, you read about things, and you know, and now that I have children, you know, you, you do, you, I cry for them. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it pains me when I think about these stories or when I listen to them or I meet people uh, who have been exonerated. Uh, it's just, it's painful, you know, quite honestly. And so that's what continues to give me um, the passion just to move forward and to work as hard as we do on the work, quite honestly, because, you know, for what it, when people see it, whatever they take from it, you want to make sure that it's full and that it's fully something that they can ingest and then ultimately feel. I'm just glad to lend a voice to anything that actually seems important at the time. I mean, I honestly am a, um, a witness, I suppose. And I think that's probably more important than anything else is to witness something that is happening to bring light to it and, uh, and be a part of that. And, you know, let, I mean, Somebody told me a long time ago, this is not an original thought, uh, great art makes us ask questions. Um, if, you, if you walk away with a question or two and say, you know, maybe I better check that out or rethink this a little bit, that's, uh, that's about as good as an actor's life can get, that you've actually done something that maybe someone decided one day to take a pause and rethink something. And so that's, I, I feel quite happy to be part of the game. <laughs> um. I, I would echo that, and I would say that um, the experience that I had making it was, was that, and that I feel that the way that I changed was the way that I grew. Um, you know, we had episodes every week that that dealt with um, that dealt with corruption for a myriad of reasons and all kinds of biases. Um, you know, we deal with racial bias, sexual bias, you know, gender bias, sexual orientation, uh, religious bias. I mean, we get these scripts and at the heart of every script is, is a massive subject to unpack. And we are trying to make a television show, not a, you know, philosophical documentary, right? About where we all sit around and talk about our feelings and experiences and try to figure it out. But that's what we did behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Because you don't get a script like that if you have a cast like we have that um, that is incredibly engaged and thoughtful and, and wants to participate in the conversation. Um, you don't get those scripts and then not immediately start saying... Um, and and it was a really amazing thing for me. Um, I, I keep repeating this phrase because I think it's so important. My my sister calls it. She says when when we start difficult conversations in our family, my sister stops when we're about to enter into challenging territory of any kind, and she goes, "Wait, wait, wait!" And she announces assumption of goodwill. Hmm. And it's such a beautiful thing. Hmm. And I've started to do it in my regular life in conversations with people that I'm comfortable with and people I'm uncomfortable with. I go, hold on, if we're gonna do this, let's give each other, let's have, either as a group or individually, let's have assumption of goodwill. Because these conversations don't result in progress unless people are allowed to A, be honest in ways that might incriminate them in the conversation, or B, they are allowed to um, admit ignorance either by admission or by demonstrating ignorance in what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And those things need grace. Mm -hmm. They need the other person not to attack, not to launch into diatribe. And they need the other person to just stop and inform and educate and offer an opportunity. Now, if the person doesn't take the opportunity, that's a different conversation. Mm -hmm. But if the person is going to take the opportunity, the only way to know that is to give it to them. And that's what happened with, as Danny pointed out, we have a diverse cast and it was an opportunity behind the scenes each time for me to go to my castmates and say, and say, 
I, I understand this only on the surface. Please, can you explain this to me? Can you broaden this for me? Can you deepen this for me? Or to do the opposite, to say, actually, I understand that you have your back up a bit, but let me give you my perspective and let me give you an alternative way to, to let me reframe that for you. Mm-hmm. And that's how we functioned every day on set. Um, and it was, a, it, was, it was the most, for that single reason, in addition to everybody just being lovely and us having a great time making a good television show, for that reason was this, the single most gratifying work experience I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing cast, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, totally. everyone is so <laughs> so thoughtful and well said, and, and incredible actors. What? what was it? Assumption. Assumption of, of goodwill. Of goodwill. Well, that's that's awesome. awesome. I just had one when I. Uh, <laughs> When I said that, um, you know, for me, what it brought to me is what I'm hoping that the show brings to everyone, which is uh, awareness, you know, awareness, uh, empathy. Um, uh, We take a look into uh, many people that aren't uh, that don't get a voice in in a mainstream platform uh, to give them that voice. Uh, and for me, uh, I'm fascinated about learning about them and about learning of people that aren't myself. You know, I have a lot of friends that are uh, funny Jewish writers, you know, <laughs> like I don't need to write a show about them. <laughs> right. Um, so it's it's uh, what was that? <laughs> I was just thinking of Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although I love that show. I mean, I really love that show. There was room for one. Uh, uh, you know, but uh, but so um, so to you know, we do a transgender episode. We have a, a death penalty two-part episode. You know, we have uh, an episode on shaking baby syndrome. I didn't know anything about shaking baby syndrome. Uh, I'm blown away by it. You know, that the science has been debunked. There are women in prison uh, who supposedly shook their babies to death, but the baby just could have fallen and hit its head. You know, it's a tragedy. Uh, and so to be able to shine a light on that issue, uh, I'm I'm proud of that, but I just want to shine the light. You know, I just want well, people need to know about this. I didn't know about it, and and now we have a, a platform to tell millions of people about it, uh, and we do it episode after episode. You know, uh, so for me, it's it's about you know that awareness, and there's a bias. Uh, there's a general bias for people that have been found guilty, which is, well, if you were found guilty, you went through this process, you must be guilty, right? And <clears throat> many of them are guilty, right? But for that small percentage that isn't, um, perhaps when they're now going through the process of having a retrial, you know, if people on the jury have seen the show, uh, they may be more empathetic. They may want to give them, you know, uh, you know, they just want to look deeper into this issue, into this case. What did this really happen? What did really happen? Um, and so many wrongful convictions that we read about in the news they happen because of DNA evidence. The person gets released because of DNA, because that's conclusive, right? Well, what about all the cases where there is no DNA evidence? And that is where many of our storylines uh, come from those cases. So, you know, to give that awareness, a sense of empathy uh, for individuals and for, you know, the system in its totality um, is, is the goal of the show. And by the way, uh, to have a really entertaining show. I mean, our show is exciting. It's cool. It's funny. Uh, it's emotional. Um, it's not just this relentless, depressing, oh my God, this is so horrible. Uh, and that's actually the challenge with the subject material to be able to, to do that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I just, I'm sitting here just thinking. <laughs> um, you know, there's a great play called 12 Angry Men. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Is it, is, um, did Patty Chayefsky wrote it? 
right? No, I, 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 I'm it just, wasn't, but just, I don't but, uh, So Sidney Lumet directs this movie. It's fantastic, but, but this is what we do. This is, we, we, we call attention to things that maybe need a second look, that yeah. make us think a little bit. And it, does, it serves the same purpose. It's a fantastic, compelling film about a group of jurors sitting in a room and that dedication that suddenly these 12 people have to find the right thing out. And uh, I, I think doing the right thing is still a, a wonderful focal uh, striving and and uh, I I I'm pleased to actually be part of a striving situation. I'm not going to offer any answers. I'm just going to, like I said, hopefully some good questions. And uh, this is this is a, it's a pleasure to be part of it. Thank you. Stop. Tell people also it's a, it's a, it's a small tiny little thing, but people um, sometimes ask. You know, when, when people are moved, they often ask, "What can I do?" Mm-hmm. And um, something interesting happened after between the pilot and uh, I, I became a citizen uh, of the United. I'm Canadian. I became a United States citizen uh, a year ago today. Welcome. Um, Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and um, thank you. And uh, and and because I had a green card, um, I'm on the list there. I don't know how the, the system is. It's bureaucracy. But I, I, I got the li- I got them on the list. I get invited to go. I get the jury summons, right, to go participate mm-hmm. and be on a jury. Mm-hmm. And I I have to check bo- every year. I have to check the box that says not a citizen and send it back because I've had Let's my green card. Mm-hmm. And we shot the pilot. And then between the pilot and doing the series, I went home to Los Angeles, and uh, and I I I got one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and it's it's really bad because I ended up having something I actually couldn't move and I couldn't do it, but I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's hypocritical. But when I got it, my thought was, oh, and I've just done this show and I'm a citizen and I've just done this show and I spent, I shot the pilot and I kept thinking like, how can I help? What can I do? Mm-hmm. And this thing that I would get in the mail that seemed like such an irritation, right? Such a, oh, I've got to go like jury duty. And my friends are like, oh, jury duty. And I went, oh, that thing that comes in, a ma- in the mail is an invitation to participate in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even tiny little things like that now, my view is sort of different. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a little more than an invitation, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like, no, I mean, you know, uh, it's summons. kind of a penalty involved. I, the, in, the invitation. Lie or don't show up. <laughs> the, 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 the invitation is to participate with all of, the, with all of what's in you and not just sit there, I guess. Yeah. I, it's yes. supposed to be a privilege, I know, but it is inconvenient sometimes. It is. Yeah. Like, it's funny. Like, we're having this this amazing engaged conversation about social justice and then you go home and you get your jury sounds like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very very, very nice to put. <laughs> well now when people get that and they've seen the show they can consider that there's something like a forced confession right or a prosecutorial overreach and yeah. those those kinds of ways in which we demystify mm-hmm. uh, I think are important and and who we center in the storytelling is so critical so again thank you and it's such a privilege to have you here at Google thank you thank you thank you thanks for listening if you have any feedback about this or any other episode we'd love to hear from you you can visit g.co slash talks at google slash podcast feedback to leave your comments to discover more awesome content you can always find us online at youtube.com slash talks at google on our website google.com slash talks or via our twitter handle at google talks talk soon